welcome to the Stewards Inquiry live on the Winners' Enclosure. Chris Dixon joins me now to reflect back on another classic weekend of racing that mainly took place in Ireland. We'll start, Chris, with yesterday's 1,000 guineas, and it's not a surprise it was a 1-2 for Aidan O'Brien. An incredible achievement. He breaks his own records year in, year out. A tenth win in the race. Yeah, and um, again, um, just the, the number of top-level winners that this operation churns out is pretty remarkable. Yes, they have those best pedigrees, they have their hands on the best horses, but they keep on delivering, don't they? Um, the numbers help, but there are other people with large numbers of well-bred horses, and um, he's able to just keep on producing the goods, really. In terms of his one-two, again, both of them impeccably, impeccably bred daughters of Galileo. And when you watch the race back a couple of times, it's the way that Empress Josephine goes on and wins the Irish Guineas yesterday, um, having met that trouble in running and having all of that ground to make up, um, is, is clearly very, very impressive. Um, she was quite badly hampered and, and knocked off her rhythm and her balance as much as anything else. And that was the key thing, wasn't it? That her balance was knocked and, and her momentum, therefore, as well. And yet she was still able to run down Joan of Arc, who had probably been better positioned as that race went. So she's clearly a, a filly that is finished her race off very well, but was able to quicken to get herself into that position, it seems. Mm, I mean, we had some fabulous finishes uh, over the weekend. We'll talk about it. But most of them, there was a difference of sort of a short head or a nose between winning and, and, and finishing second in a lot of these big races. Um, Empress Josephine, her pedigree is, is fascinating and, and where she's going to go next in her trip because she's a full sister to Minding. So she's sort of bred to get an Oaks trip. But then reading Aidan O'Brien's comments, he said he felt that when she got beaten at Goran over nine furlongs, that the trip was the undoing of her. So who, where do you think she might end up next? Well, it's tough to know, and they, they may well chop and change. I mean, you look at Minding, as you said, she, she got the Oaks trip of a mile and a half to win that. But her probable peak performances on the figures were more a mile to 10 furlongs. And so it may be that Empress Josephine could stretch out as far as that, but I suspect a mile to 10 furlongs is where she'll be at. I can't believe that she won't get beyond the, the mile trip, even allowing for that reason um, that they put forward for the Gore and Run. So I, I think that they'll just have options and they'll work their way through, through the season. We know that Aidan O'Brien and the team, they're not necessarily always wanting to pigeonhole. They will chop and change and they'll try a variety of tricks. And I think that's what they're going to do with, with both these two that came to the fore in the Irish Guineas. I, I certainly think jo, uh, Joan of Arc is is going to be better when she goes up to 10 furlongs, really. She certainly looks that type of horse to me. She maybe doesn't quicken quite so well as what uh, Empress Josephine does. Um, she's obviously uh, finished off well from the front at Leopardstown. She tends to be a, a filly that they ride handy and she keeps on finding. And I think that given the way that she relaxes in her races and keeps on pulling out that little bit more and her pedigree as well, I think either a, a, a stiffish mile or ideally... 10 furlongs somewhere where you can make the running could be the ideal sort of test. So a 1-2 and the 1,000 guineas for Aidan O'Brien, a 1-2 and the 2,000 guineas for Jim Bolger. Um, not necessarily in the order we might have suspected, but um, again, absolutely nothing between the two and a cracking race. Tremendous race, wasn't it? And um, Max Sweeney just managing to um, get the better of uh, already a, a Guinea's winner in Poetic Flair, who is some tough horse with some constitution, not just because of the attitude that he showed here to, to keep on scrapping away despite drifting to his left a little bit, 
But the fact that Poetic Flair is, is on his fourth run of the season, you don't often see classic three horses. Classics. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't see them campaigned like this, do you? Not really. You know, they run so often. And, and I, I guess it's nice to see a trainer just willing to keep on putting his horse in there, probably doing very little with him in between runs and just getting him to the track. And that's where he's, he's um, having his hard days out and, and he's taking them extremely well. But he wasn't quite good enough to see off uh, Max Sweeney this time around, who was only on his second start of the campaign, having had that reappearance run at Leopardstown. He was a proven Group 1 winner when we saw him take the uh, Verton Futurity, the old Racing Post Trophy at, at Doncaster at the back end of last season. I think the thing with him is that his standout form so far is very much on deep ground, isn't it? He didn't fire when he went on a quick surface last summer. So I think he might be a horse that you just have a little bit of a doubt about so far as quicker ground conditions are concerned. But he is by new approach and you might think that ultimately he will get beyond the um, the mile trip that he won over here. Of course, Jim Ball just started him out at 10 furlongs this season. So he's a really interesting horse for the year ahead, but I think quick ground might be a worry for him. Mm, yeah, don't, don't disagree at all. And Poetic Flair, could he then head to Royal Ascot St James's Palace? Probably. <laughs> it probably will. Um, I mean, that would constitute him having a bit of a break, wouldn't it, by his standards so far this season? <laughs> Where have um, we got? So, three weeks to Royal Ascot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three, uh, three, is, it, is it only three? Three weeks. Three weeks tomorrow, four is weeks. it? Or four? Three, is it three weeks tomorrow? Well, that could be four. Could really know. It, it starts on the 15th, so yeah, we're only three weeks away. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that would, be, that would be something of a break for him. It, it, it'd be the longest break he's had since the reappearance win and the, uh, the win in the Guineas at Newmarket. Back to some uh, some top class action that took place in England. At Haydock, again, we've got very testing conditions here. I was pleased to see Liberty Beach win the Temple Stakes, uh, a really tough horse that just got the better of Ainsdale in second. Yeah, it was it was nearly a very good uh, 10 minutes or so for David Armstrong, the owner, who had uh, Pendleton, who might be Royal Ascot potentially. Yeah, yeah that, he, he won that, that handicap quite tidily at York, just chinning a horse that I backed at quite a big price, actually, but he was full value for, for beating it. But then they went to um, Haydock, obviously. I think that's where David Armstrong was to see Ainsdale, a proven testing ground performer and in form and fit, but just uh, managed to uh, be denied by Liberty Beach, who is a, a class performer. We've seen that um, last season when she um, hit the frame at the back end of the season in an abbey, and she likes these kind of ground conditions. You just hope that she can manage to kick on last year, unlike last year in terms of winning form. She won at Haydock on a return last year and then didn't win again. But her actual level of performance did progress. So I, I don't think that you'd say that it would be a big worry that she won't go on this year. Um, I just wonder whether she's a filly that might get better this season as well from three to four. It looks as though she may well have done. OK, we'll now have a quick word on the Sandy Lane stakes because Rohan... Sprung a bit of a surprise regards the price, 33 to 1. But actually, when you go through his form, I guess the big question mark and the unknown was the ground. He had no form um, on soft ground at all. But he had won a group three at Ascot the time before. And David Evans was sort of quick to say afterwards, this is a good horse. The price was crazy. And he did. He obliged just getting the better of the very progressive dragon symbol by a nose. 
yeah, really good finish. The, the disappointing thing, in a sense, is that Rohan now can't go for the leading three-year-old sprint at Royal Ascot because he's already gelded, so he's not allowed to run in the Commonwealth Cup. But they do have other options. They've got him in a working, and I don't know what his mark will be reassessed to tomorrow. That might be a big ask. He could go down the King's stand route over five because that's a three-year-old plus and you can run in that as a gelding. And longer term, they're going to be... He's now won a group three on his previous start. He's won a group two here um, in the Sandy Lane. They're going to be looking at races like the July Cup um, yeah. the month after the next, aren't they? That, that's where he's at. And the fact that he can do it under so many different sets of conditions is a massive positive. He's a horse that is just getting better. Picked up for, for 20 grand at the horses in training sale after two runs. Um, I suspect that there was what seemed a, a lofty enough price at the time for what he'd achieved. We're happy to go to that amount because it's related to Duggan, who was a great serpent for Dave Evans over the years. But this horse has surpassed him. And like his sire Mason, who could go on any sort of ground, and he won his July Cup, obviously, in a bit of a bog. Rohan handled the conditions fine. But your eye was really drawn to how he was travelling through that race. And it was just he was waiting for that gap to appear. And when it did, it picked up and he knuckled down to see off Dragon Symbol, who you would imagine will go to Royal Ascot. And he's a really progressive horse for Archie Watson. I think will be better back on a, a sounder surface. OK, well, let's focus again on, on a Group 1 that took place yesterday, the Tattersall's Gold Cup. Short price favourite in the, in the shape of Boom. And once again, just a short head splitting the first and second. But it was Helvick Dream, having finished behind Broom on his three previous starts, that reversed the form. And that didn't look likely on form, really, did it? It didn't, no. As you say, Broom had, had got the better of Helvick Dream on, on plenty of occasions, um, but couldn't do so here. I, I think this was very much against I me. Mean, the, the time compared to the others, the time figures are coming out good. So there's no fluke about the result or reason to really doubt the form as it stands on the day. But I think what you can question is how likely it is to be repeated away from those kind of conditions. I think it was very much a race that was run on a testing surface and that made the the real difference to Helvig Dream, um, how deep the conditions were. And, and he was just able to handle them that little bit better. When he's been behind Broome before, it probably wasn't quite as deep ground as it was on this occasion. And I think you just saw a, a, a much improved performance from Helvig Dream on account of how well he went through the conditions. And mm. I'd be surprised if he went on at the top level away from these kind of underfoot conditions that were really hard work. OK, and speaking of horses that I think revel in these very testing conditions is Brentford Hope, because... He's a horse that I've sort of followed quite closely. He won his maiden first time out and then they were offered an awful lot of money for him. Turned it down and there was lots of chat, wasn't there, that he was going to be a derby horse. They then sort of played with his trip and he went right up to a mile and a half and didn't stay. Um, came back to a mile and trotted up and then ran at Windsor last time. And uh, it was a bit disappointing, but seemingly the ground, they've got it down as good to soft that day, probably wasn't quite as, as soft as he maybe needs it testing conditions yesterday and he absolutely hacked up again didn't he I mean he's very talented under these conditions do you think he's completely dependent on it I think he is and, and I think Richard Hughes thinks he is as well um, judging by his comments after the race as well um, the Hunt Cup is kind of the obvious target for a horse like this but unless they get a downpour and the Hunt Cup is run on bad ground I don't think they'll go there and I think that they will just pick their targets as and when the ground comes I actually think that this is a horse that 
has the potential to make his market listed and potential group company when ground conditions are extremely hard work. But I do think it's really, really important to him that it's like that. He's a horse that suits his rider, Jamie Spencer, extremely well, obviously, because Mm. I don't think he finds much when he's let down. He's one of those horses that once he's actually asked for a little bit of effort, there's not really much there. It looks like he's doing it all very easily, but he's probably not. It's probably his rider making it look more easy than it actually is for him. Um, And so the other day at Nottingham, he looks like he's got loads more left, but there might not be that much more. I think he's a horse that when he wins, he's always going to win like this. We've seen it with him before at Haydock in very bad ground, where he just toys with them and plays with them. But what he won't want to do in the future is get caught into a scrap, I don't think. And he's the kind of horse from a betting point of view. You can't really backhand to first because it is completely reliant on the ground, I reckon. Yeah, no, 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 totally agree. A fascinating horse and he's clearly got an engine. They've always thought the world of him. Um, but as you say, your, your options are somewhat limited when you do need ground, probably that's really quite deep, um, mm. like you got yesterday. Do you think he might be suited by the odd race in France along the way? You know, try and listed a minor group company dropped in around France? Possibly. I think he's one of these horses that under these conditions could pop up in quite a good race and win when it just gets bottomless and he just travels through his races. Um, I think he has it in him. But he's he's not, I'm sure, the most reliable, and he's not always. No. He's not a horse that I think um, I'd love to be betting on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because let's... you know your fate quite early. I think with him, you know, if he's not travelling, you're in trouble. I think the race that, if you could pick one race that might just go his way later this year, if you were sticking to handicaps, he's won this off 98. And he's going to be, but the Balmoral, the straight track at Ascot, over a mile can be running horrible ground on a I was literally thinking the same. I can see him on Champions Day popping up if the ground got really bad in, in that type of race. And I think Ascot yeah. would really play to his strengths. And he's, as you say, he's the type of horse that Jamie gets the best out of. Yeah, wouldn't be impossible to see him t- trying him at a higher level on Champions Day yeah. if the mud was flying, because you just never know with a horse yeah. like him. But um, yeah, I think back end of the season on deep ground, there you go, early winner for the Balmoral. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a long way to go but I totally totally know what you mean with him very interesting horse for the year well worth following well I have to say I was really saddened to read about the death of Barney Curley yesterday he's someone that I know very well he's been he was he was and has been a very big part of Jamie Spencer's life and his earlier career he's been a sort of father figure to the likes of Frankie Dottori uh, Tom Quealy Shane Kelly very much takes some of these younger jockeys at the beginning of their career under under their wing a real character in racing controversial for sure um but an intriguing man and a very very kind-hearted man um who clearly been suffering for a while but no i was i was really sad another one of our big sort of sport characters um to not be with us anymore yeah we, it was sad news i obviously didn't know barney in the the manner that you did but He was one of those that, as a punter, which is effectively what drew me into the sport, you couldn't help but admire him. Um, It wasn't for everyone. It was always that debate, wasn't it? When he pulled off his stunts, some people didn't like the way in which he'd gone about it and that the horses hadn't shown their form for a good while. And yet other people just reveled in the 
precision with which he was able to pull off the whole operation and keeping everything so quiet and under wraps. And I think from what you can read about him, and I've read the books and things about the different uh, coups that he managed to pull off, keeping quiet and just being able to trust. And people must have trusted him and he had trust in them. And, you know, he obviously, the people that were close to him obviously really wanted to to be a part of what he was trying to do. And, and that speaks volumes of him, really, as does the amount of charity work that he did. Whether you um, appreciate the, 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 the betting uh, coups that he managed to pull off, and I actually found them fascinating and, and thought it was amazing that he could do it more than once. I mean, people try these things regularly enough and don't get them. He's done it a few times, and the Yellow Sam one in particular is a brilliant story. Um, but on top of all of that, the charity work and the amount of money that he um, has put into Zambia, I think it is. Um, yeah, to Jaffa, Direct Aid for Africa. And he, you know, till a few years ago when he got sick, he spent a lot of time out there and building schools and doing a lot. He's a very, very kind-hearted person. Just touching on what you were saying, um, he, the trust definitely that he had for people and people had for him. He was quite... Um, quietly spoken sometimes and and he thought about every word that he said and he quite often say I'll, I'll get back to you on that rather than you go away and think about it and come back with this answer um he was someone you very much looked up to words of wisdom was what you got from Barney and yeah as you say big heart did a lot for charity and I think we'll be sadly missed um sadly missed in our sport I certainly will and he was a big character um and you know, it always got a little bit of chat going, a little bit of excitement when he was uh, trying to pull off a stunt. Chris, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. We will probably be chatting to you on Thursday, looking ahead to the weekend. Uh, enjoy it in the meantime. I hope the weather improves. Apparently it is going to as of Thursday. And uh, yeah, happy punting.